Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of CFAL Talks. I'm Pamela Ferguson, Vice President of Investments at CFAL, and in today's episode, we continue the conversation with another one of our esteemed CFAL Talks contributor, Sophia Thurston. Sophia is Vice President of Pension Administration and Operations here at CFAL and is a certified public accountant with over 25 years of experience. Sophia graduated from the College of the Bahamas, now the University of the Bahamas, in 1987 with an associate's degree in accounting. She also earned her Bachelor of Business Administration degree in accounting from Acadia University, Wolfville, Nova Scotia, Canada, and her Master's of Business Administration in Human Resource Management from the University of Phoenix, Arizona. Sophia oversees the Pension Administration and Operations Department, which has some 300 accounts valued at over 600 million and over 10,000 participants. Sophia also serves on the board of directors of the CFAL family of funds. Thank you, Sophie, for agreeing to have this conversation with us. I trust your experience and knowledge shared will inspire and motivate other young Bahamians to realize their goals and ambition. let's get right into it. Well, good morning, Pamela, and thank you for that very warm introduction. You deserve it. So tell us a bit about yourself, Sophie, your educational part, and the trigger points that have helped you to where you are today. Okay, so my educational path, it was indeed a journey. <laughs> I will start from the very beginning. So my initial schooling started in Jamaica. My mom took us with her. Um, as she completed her educational goals. And so my beginning preschool, primary school, was in Jamaica. As mom was an educator, she ended up traveling quite a bit. So I spent most of my childhood education, my ch childhood life, in the family islands. She was initially in Andrews, so we spent about four to five years in North Andrews went to primary school there, and then we transferred to Exuma. Spent another four or five years there, um, where I graduated from Exuma Senior High. Um, as a result of the family island experience, you know, you move through the system very quickly, I ended up graduating pretty young, at the age of 14. So when we came to Nassau, she recommended that I go back to school for at least another year. And so I attended government high school, and graduated there in 1985. Was there a culture shock um, transitioning from Jamaica to the family islands to New Providence? Most definitely. So when we left Jamaica, we had an accent, my sister and I. So going to, to the family island, North Andrews, we, we got teased quite a bit. Oh, wow. Oh, the Bahamian children. Mm -hmm. Oh. It was harsh. <laughs> so we, we, had to, we had to get back to our Bahamian roots kind of quickly. And, um, you know, that initial transition, yeah, that was very difficult. And so when we transitioned to Exuma, I was so happy for another opportunity to start again. Oh, wow. You know, I said, mm -hmm. nobody knows us. Mm -hmm. We can now, we still had, you know, 
the family island, you know, they'll have their little slime. Right, right, right. <laughs> so every island is Every unique. island is, has its own little culture mm-hmm. thing going on. Um, but yeah, Exoma gave us a fresh start. And so I really enjoyed my experience. In Exoma. So how was education on the family islands? Like, was it, did you find that you were behind when you um, transitioned to New Providence or you, were you on par or, were you, or did you excel in terms of your educational background? Um, I feel that I excelled. Um, I was able to, to do BJCs at age of 10, graduated with BG, um, GCEs at that time at age of 14, and uh, on transferring to Government High, it, it was a big transition again. It was a large school um, coming from the family islands. And what I realized then was that, you know, in the family island, the, the number of courses that are offered is significantly less than in New Providence. Um, and so that was the major adjustment. That one year, I had to actually, I guess, make my own pathway at that high school because I couldn't, I, I really didn't um, fit into all of the courses, like Spanish. They, they do Spanish. I had never done a foreign language. So when I went in that class, I was totally lost. And so I said, you know, this is something I can do. And so they allowed me to do typing, um, which I had done in Family Island. I had done Pitman and so forth. And so, you know, the school was quite flexible and they worked with me. And so I was able to achieve um, a few more GCEs at Government High in that one year and some Pitman and RSA. So That's awesome, Sophie. I consider you to be a successful person, but explain what success means to you and the financial and social habits that you have employed in your life to achieve the level of success you have today. So success for me means tapping into your purpose. Um, enjoying the journey that you are on, because it's definitely a journey, despite the bumps along the way, and then continuing to grow and to learn. Um, I came across this quote, as you climb the ladder of success, be sure it is leaning against the right wall. Um, It is indicated as unknown. But I think why that is important to me is, you know, early on, I had the opportunity to work um, summer jobs. And one of the jobs was at the Princess Margaret Hospital. I knew to go to college, I would need a scholarship. So my options were nursing, um, teaching, and you know, otherwise trying to do well to get a scholarship otherwise. So having the opportunity to work at PMH, I realized quickly that was not for me. That, you know, so that ruled that out. Um, my mother was an educator and you know, she wanted to produce a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> But I always only saw her as a principal, you know, all during the family island. She was a principal, and I I never saw her in a classroom. So I was like, you know what? I I don't think (laughs) this is what I want to do. Um, For three summers after that, I was able to work in the financial services sector, one at an insurance company and twice at an offshore bank. And and that opportunity allowed me to see, you know, maybe financial services is a path I can go into. Um, So some of the, the habits that I have financial habits. Having a budget, saving, and definitely tithing, and paying your bills on time. And then when I look at some of my social habits, ask a lot of questions, read, listen. I find I'm a good listener, and some people take advantage of that, you know? (laughs) So I I like your 
your um, answer to the question of success being pursuing your passion and knowing what it is. And it's amazing how, you know, you it seemed to be so organized with you in that you worked at the Princess Margaret Hospital and decided that's not it. Okay, I'm not going to be a teacher. And you got that opportunity to work in the financial services industry. And now here you are, a certified public accountant, doing what you do best and excelling at it. So I love that you have to look up, go after your passion. And hopefully we can encourage younger children to dream and to, to follow their passions as well, even from an early age. Yes, I, I think it's really important from an early age if they can tap into what it is, um, their gift, their talent, and then really go after that and pursue it. Um, very important for our young people. So do you think that should be a combination of parents and the school or the school or parents um, to help young people at an early age to tap into their purpose? Yes. Not only um, parents, teachers um, from schools, but also the church, um, you know, giving them opportunities to display their talents um, so that, you know, they can have that confidence to go after it. You know, I remember I grew up in the church um, as well, and I got my early start there, like having to do the recitals and stuff like that. And, and that helped me to face the crowd, you know, um, to speak and to people watching you and get over the nerves, although you're never fully over <laughs> the nerves when you have to speak. But I got a lot, if not all, of my um, solid training from the church. Just given a, be given, um, being given an opportunity um, to present um, via the productions that 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 went on in Christmas and Easter, and so I think that's that's awesome. Now you're a woman of faith, and I celebrate that. So I will present some financial proverbs, and I want you to briefly discuss each one of them from a personal perspective. The first one: dishonest money dwindles away. But whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. Or another way of putting it, wealth gained hastily will dwindle. But whoever gathers little by little will increase it. Okay, so I see that as easy come, easy go. Or riches obtained quickly, you know, will not last. Um, I have never been a gambler or one to, you know, run after quick money. So for me, this proverb is really very, very true. And I, I think working here at CIFAL, I, I have had the opportunity, I guess, with all of our CIFAL products um, to be able to, to see money grow little by little. I personally am in the CIFAL education plan. You know, I started it when my daughter was born and I have seen that grow over now the last 10 years. And so I believe that by the time she, you know, needs to attend college, she would be well set, have a good start. And then with pension plans, you know, um, we advertise, we sell these um, group pension plans, individual pension plans, my personal pension plans. It's little by little, and a lot of persons are quite amazed, um, you know, when their company offers them the opportunity to be a part of a pension plan, how quickly that little by little accumulates. I like this proverb because for me, it's one of discipline. You know, um, like you mentioned, little by little. If you're disciplined um, to put aside something on a regular basis over time, 
um, it will grow. I'm always amazed when you have somebody who is probably just starting out uh, from saving um, and they would say, well, if I give you $500 um, and you're paying 4%, how much would I get at the end of the year? And then you would tell them, well, that works out to be $20. And they'd be like, that's it? $20? But not understanding this principle that you may start up with 500, but if you can put 100 once a month, that money grows, and the interest on that money that you add will also grow, and if you can exercise that discipline over the long term, then you would have uh, a nice nest egg built up for the future. Yes. One of the other products I really like um, that we offer is the CFAL Savings Express. You know, it has an initial low um, initial deposit and, and just a minimum of $25 per month. But, you know, some persons who were not used to saving were allowed to, to tap into this and develop that consistency of saving. And now they realize they could save. Yeah. They can do it too. That's great. The next one, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So with this one, I believe... You know, if you love money too much, you may try to do anything to get it. And so it maybe taps into a bit of greed, um, which causes person to commit, you know, some sins like stealing. Um, recently in our country, we've seen a lot of fraud. And I think, I think it's persons really loving money, trying to get more um, that has caused them to fall into sin. Yeah. There's a common adage. A lot of people mention it. Money is the root to all evil. And I don't think they understand where that, that this proverb came from. The love of it. Because, you know, there's another proverb, money answered all things, you know, so you need money. You need money. If and you money want, is just a medium yes, of exchange. Exactly. And if you, if you want to help persons that are unfortunate, you need money. So money, in my opinion, isn't bad. It's the love of it, like you mentioned, when you have that greed and that obsession with it that you would do anything like steal, commit fraud to get it. That's the problem, and that will lead down a disastrous road. But money is okay. Just the love of it may be a problem. <laughs> okay, the next one. Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. Right. So when I looked at this one, you know, to be lazy is to be idle or disengaged, not wanting to work. Um, whereas to be to be diligent is to be hardworking and focused. And if you are focused and you put in great effort, you will get success. And I, one example, I look at the athletes, you know, they work hard and they practice and practice and they achieve some great success. You know, my aunt, she had this saying, you see the glory, but you don't know the story. And we always laughed at that, right? But as I got older, I understood what she was saying. A lot of times people see someone with a level of success and, or what they perceive to be a level of success. And then they want that, but they don't understand the joining that got that person to where they are at that particular point. And in a lot of ways, success that is earned um, the right way is hard work. A lot of hard work. And so I think that's something that even in our country, we could learn. 
Yes, and I think it's really important, um, you know, to encourage our young people in this because to just do nothing and be lazy is easy. And, and really, if they just put a little extra effort, just a little extra effort, you, be, you will be far above average. That, and I think that's pretty amazing. You know, well, my niece was attending the College of the Bahamas, and I remember this so clearly. Um, when she initially graduated, um, she just went through the process, and she didn't get into all of her classes. And I know you're probably <laughs> familiar with COB back then. So she had to do the drop and art session, right? So I told her, I said, you have to be out there very early. I said, I'm coming to pick you up. I'm coming for you five o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. So she said, Annie Bambi got to be kidding me. And I said, no, I'm coming for you. So I reached, arrived there about 5.30. And so we drove uh, to the Porsche Smith building. There were three people there. And so I dropped her off and I went and parked the car. And she's like, what are we doing here? This makes no sense, Annie Pam. Why are we here? And so when she got there, she was number four, I was number five. That was like six, early six o'clock in the morning. By 7.30, the entire tent was filled. We went in for eight o'clock to register, drop an ad. When we came out, the line was wrapped around the building. And I told her, I said, see, if you make just a little bit of effort, you will be ahead of all of these people right here. Because they told them the dropinade is nine o'clock or whatever the time was or eight o'clock. And they said, okay, I'm gonna come nine or eight. But I said to her, if you make just a little bit of effort, you will be ahead of all of these persons right here. And so I believe we have to push our youth to make the extra effort in order to achieve whatever goals that they set out for themselves. So the next one, the plans of the diligent reach to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Okay, so the New Living Translation indicated good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. So we often hear people say, when you fail to plan, you plan to fail. So good planning with regard to finances involves writing down your goals, working toward them, and then establishing and sticking to a good budget. A good financial plan will assist you with making much better decisions. So I believe this proverb, a diligent person takes their time, they do not rush, and it would result in them not making bad choices. And planning, I like that, so be planning, that's, that's the key, because I think if you plan ahead, then you avoid all the stress yes. that come behind from not planning. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the last one. All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. So the key is hard work. If you work hard, you will receive a reward. But if you just engage in idle talk, there will be no benefit. I have seen um, our staff, they work hard and they are rewarded as a result of the hard work. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I agree with that totally. We have a, a really group of dedicated, hardworking young professionals here um, at CIFA. I just think that's a blessing. That's, that's, that's really a blessing. 
So what best practices, Sophie, are the cornerstone for a healthy financial future? So we go back to having a financial plan. I think that is key. Um, you have to have some goals. You have to write down your goals. Um, I always believe too in having an emergency fund. You have to set aside um, funds for that little rainy day. And, and as we can see, you know, they, they are coming faster than in previous years. Before we only had to worry about a hurricane. Now we have to worry about pandemics. And um, I also believe in paying off debt quickly. Don't, don't you know, overburden yourself with debt. Pay down and you will have good success. Finally, I believe in the 70, 20, 10% rule. You want to save 20%, give 10%, and then you could spend the other. So describe one of your toughest financial challenges and how you overcame it. Yeah, so one of my um, toughest financial challenges, and I think I had mentioned this before, was the living paycheck to paycheck. Um, you know, so my initial job, I fell into the culture, spend, spend, spend. And um, so I had to learn, change that mindset, and learn to save, learn to give. You give your 10%, God will provide. You save and put a little aside, you just, it just requires a little bit of sacrifice. Um, but if we want to just spend, 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 you're going to result in an accumulation of debt. Yeah, I mean, my, my philosophy is if you continue to live above your means, then you will eventually um, have financial difficulties. But if you learn to live below your means, I think you can have the level of financial success that you desire by not spending 100% of that dollar. So what's your position on the accumulation of personal debt and what advice do you give to our audience on becoming, not becoming overburdened with debt? So as previously mentioned, yes, I do not believe in the accumulation of personal debt. There are times when it, you need to borrow, you know, your first car, you know, but again, you can save, save your down payment and, you know, have some funds set aside. Um, with a big investment like a home, condo, you may need to borrow. But again, um, having some savings upfront definitely helps. Um, even in allowing you the opportunity to be able to invest. I remember when I was investing with the condo, um, you know, the bank would give you their initial requirements, you know, so much down, the closing costs, and you get into it two months later and they're saying, oh, we need some additional funds, or we need more, and we need you to purchase additional insurance. And really, if you had not saved additionally, you would lose out on that investment. Um, so, you know, I think just accumulating a lot of debt and not having anything in savings could be disastrous. Um, with regard to debt, I believe in attacking it as well. You know, when we looked at our mortgage, and, you know, 25 years. It's a long time. <laughs> you know, it was like, we'll never finish paying for this if we just stick with this um, payment plan that they have given us. So, you know, my husband and I, we say, let's, let's look at this and see what we can do. And so we approached the bank and asked if they could reduce the interest rate. And they did. 
So back then the interest rate was like 9%. They reduced it to 7%. Um, we found out that, you know, you could make some lump sum payments during the year. So you make one or two of those. Um, you can move from making monthly payments to paying twice a month. And, and that helps you with getting another extra payment in during the year. And so with all of that, we were able to pay that debt down in 10 years. So you just need to have a plan, I believe. I, I agree. And going back to your talk about plan, what do you say to persons who use their credit card or use their credit card as a form of cash flow, monthly cash flow? So do you recommend that they not use that credit card unless they know, based on their plan, how they're going to pay off that debt at the end of the month? Yes, definitely. Um, with credit cards, the interest rates are too high to use that as a, you know, on a daily basis without knowing how you're gonna cover that at the end of the month. My first credit card was an American Express card. And so I think that taught me um, that I had to have those funds when that bill came. And so I did not get into the habit of just charging, charging, because if you don't know where the funds come in to pay that bill at the end of the month. Um, and today I believe we have an awesome opportunity. There are debit cards. So there's no need for you to accumulate a, a lot of debt with a credit card and pay 18 to 20% per month. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's a challenge. And I think um, we probably what we probably need more of is financial literacy courses, starting from um, the primary school. And I, you know, I'm always for age appropriate type teaching. So starting from the primary school all the way up, I think we need to implement some financial literacy courses to help persons. Because a lot of times people just don't know. They, they, they just adapt what the environment has taught them. And then that's why they get into problems sometimes at, at the end of the road, because they simply just don't know. Yes. Mm -hmm. So what financial and work ethics advice would you give to the young adult starting out who has recently graduated from university and is looking for a job? What do they need to do now to set themselves up for financial success? I believe they need to establish their goals and learn to save. Establish that habit of saving early on um, so that that good habit can carry them throughout their life and throughout their career. Don't wait, <laughs> but start, start as early as you can. And I think too to start wherever you can, you know. Don't you may you may down the road want a certain type of job. That's fine, but start right now. Grow, develop, learn as much as you possibly can, so that down the road you may get that job and be able to excel at that job. So don't despise or don't be ashamed of a humble beginning. Start wherever you can um, in a job to get to achieve the level of success you want down the road. Yes. Sophia, thank you so much. Uh, we have come to the end of another episode of CFAL Talks. Thank you so much for having this discussion with us, Sophie, and thank you, audience, for tuning in. If you enjoyed this podcast, please send us a note at info at cfile.com or visit our website at www.cfile.com and show your support. 
And thank you to CFAL for sponsoring this episode. Until next time.